Hello, and welcome to the Project Good Podcast. I'm your host, Anne Ray Hilton. Project Good is a social impact podcast interviewing experts and advocates about the pressing problems that we face globally and hearing how they suggest and move forward in the future. The Project Good Podcast is brought to you by Project Good Work. The goal of this podcast is to inspire people and organizations to develop a mindset that can lead others to positive action regarding the complex social issues facing people and the planet. For May, we're focusing on data and our future, and this is a special edition episode with Brady Analytics. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Jeff White, who is the founder and chief executive officer of Brady Analytics. Prior to his founding of Brady, he founded several companies and led them to successful exits. These companies included MySBX, sold to Downtown in 2009, and Blue Canopy, sold to a private investment firm in 2007. Jeff has over two decades of experience leading successful companies and was awarded the DC Technology Entrepreneur of the Year in 2011. As a founder of Blue Canopy, Jeff led the company to receive two Inc. 500 awards for being one of the top 500 fastest growing private companies in America. Jeff's passion for entrepreneurial spirit extends outside of the workplace as he often guides other entrepreneurs towards the path for success. Let's get into the interview. Founded in 2011, Radio Analytics is the enterprise location technology company providing actionable intelligence to businesses. Using its patented technology, the company brings data about people, places, and events together to understand human mobility, helping companies enhance their sales and marketing strategies, and optimize business operations. Today, the company's intelligence powers leading-edge solutions for a wide range of industries, from advertising to market research, financial services to supply chain risk management. They rely on knowing how people, products, and materials move throughout the world. Welcome, Jeff. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I am looking forward to what I think is going to be a very exciting topic. Yes, yes. I'm so excited to um, talk to you today and uh, learn about, I think, a, a topic that is becoming, you know, um, uh, more and more uh, uh, important to you. Just, you know, um, I guess I'll just call them the layman people, like everyday people. <laughs> um, everybody is, you know, um, interested in data. Um, these days. And, you know, um, I think one of the, the biggest things, obviously, that most uh, people um, encounter is that they use most of their data on, uh, I would say, probably on a daily basis. I forget the exact statistic, but uh, social media is, you know, um, you know the biggest uh, data exchange, I think, for a majority of the people on the planet that are just, uh, I'll just call regular mojos. <laughs> um, and so, uh, uh, so this is why it's just, uh, you know, such an exciting topic, uh, today. And before I, uh, get into, um, the questions and everything, I'd always like to know a little bit of personal information about people when I do it so that I can understand kind of how they think, um, how they came to be, who they are, um, in this world. And, uh, you know, um, uh, becoming an entrepreneur um, is not something I would say that is for everyone. Um, so I guess what took you out of this journey? No, it's a fantastic question. And, and you're right. It certainly isn't for everyone. And most days I always ask myself, why am I doing this again? Um, <laughs> but but the engineer in me, um, which is what my background is, um, cannot help itself from 
looking at problems and trying to fix them. Um, and, and in many ways, almost all my businesses that I've ever started weren't because I had a compelling reason to, to do something other than solve a problem. And, and certainly in, in the previous exits that you mentioned, all of them were trying to tackle a problem that I was experiencing um, in my daily life. And, and certainly gravy analytics is no different. So, yeah, it's, it's really the, the engineer in me that just compels me to keep going. Okay. Wow. Um, so, you know, um, that's, uh, I guess, uh, uh, really cool, I guess, that you you know, um, you have to be, I would say, courageous to take the to take the <laughs> entrepreneurial route. Um, definitely, it's not for the saint of heart. <laughs> yeah, someone uh, once told me that logic has no place in an entrepreneur's mindset because if you if you did think about it long enough, you probably would talk yourself out of it. <laughs> yes, um, and I know that just from a personal aspect. Um, uh, so, um, in talking about. Um, uh, the topic of data and uh, I think data and I'm going to say data and privacy because that's the main main concern that people have, right, about data. Um, you know, nobody's really concerned about necessarily that we have uh, information, um, but they are concerned about how is it affecting, um, uh, you know, um, them in their uh, daily lives and how is it being uh, utilized and all of those kind of things. And so... Um, uh, what would you say, I guess, um, when we are, uh, like, I guess, um, just to give you kind of a, a statistic overview, um, just recently, and this is something I got off of um, uh, Pew Research and, and preparing for this in a few, is that uh, over 50% of the uh, population is uh, scared about how their uh, data is being uh, utilized in the world. Um, and they put it into, I would say, um, I guess the easiest way to describe it is they put it into two different categories of what they think about um, information usage or how it's being utilized. So they put it into categories of how um, data is being used with uh, companies. Um, so, you know, we all know what companies are. And then, of course, everybody isn't concerned about quote unquote big brother or the government. Uh, mm -hmm. Those are the big, uh, you know, those are uh, the ways that people are um, mostly concerned and it's over 50% of uh, the the population um, is concerned about how these two entities are utilizing their data and also, um, at a, you know, I guess people feel like they're being spied on. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a word, uh, but I'll just say spied on. Um, and so... Um, my question and just kind of uh, setting up the conversation is like, uh, I guess, and then maybe we should just start at the, the beginning. Like, why is data collected even? And how, you know, what's, what's the purpose here? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I hear surveys like that. And I, and I think to myself, 50% of the people are concerned about their data and privacy and other things. Like, who are the other 50%? Who isn't? Um, <laughs> that's like, the weirdest. <laughs> why isn't why is that not a hundred percent? But but it's a good point, and I think this broad table stakes, you know, setting sort of the the apertures of, of how we analyze and look at the world. I think um, data is not going away, right? Um, privacy concerns aren't going away, um, and it's it's swimming around us. We interact, we interact it, we create it, we we control it. 
Um, we share it. I mean, all of these things are around us every day in more and more ways with IOT devices and, and, and camera systems and ring doorbells and all these other things. I mean, we're just swimming in data. Um, so I always like to think about the world in terms of, of two ways. It's, it's, it's transparency and control, right? Um, I'm really okay with sharing my healthcare information to my doctor. It's a trusted relationship. I understand it. I get value from it. I don't want to share it with my pizza company, right? Um, likewise, um, you know, I'm I'm really okay with having my healthcare information on my iPhone in case there's a number. I just got an iWatch. So I'm learning how all this works, right? Um, so if a first responder comes to me, they can get access to what might be critical information about my healthcare. And that's control, right? Only when, and I've consented and other things. So I think when, whenever we think about the world, at least how I think about the world, in terms of data and privacy, it's always, it's always control and transparency. And, and I want to control when and with whom and how I share my information and, and I receive information. And then I want to understand the transparency of, of, of who is, is actually collecting it and for what purpose. And make sure that balance of trade is something that I trust and know. And uh, in another last example, I'll just give you an example of like your bank, right? Your bank knows so many things about you. They understand where you spend your money, which then implies where you spend your time and what you spend your money on and all these things. But it's an it's a trusted relationship. You trust that your bank is going to control this information, that your bank needs to have this information to balance your accounts and do all the things you want to do. So that relationship has a trust, it's transparent, um, in which case you're okay to share the data uh, with your banking institution. So those two pillars, I think, are always paramount to, to working with data and implications to privacy. Yes, and, you know, um, yeah, and, and that's so great that you split it up into kind of like, um, you know, people definitely uh, banking is uh, pulling a lot of information um, financially, because I guess what it boils down to, right, um, now that you brought up that, um, everything does come down to money, doesn't it? That's why we, you know, people are mostly scared of their information is like, how is it going to be utilized? Uh, you know, most likely if somebody's going to utilize your data in a, you know, in a, in a bad way, it's usually for some kind of gain, uh, like financially, because the other thing as well, you know, uh, not to be sound uh, criminal and landish, but you know the other things kind of don't count. <laughs> well, so, yes. and, and hopefully it makes your lives easier, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Yes. If you log on to Amazon and see a bunch of stuff on your homepage that's not relevant or related to you or anything else, it it and suddenly you're it creates a friction point to how you engage with the content. Um, so, I mean, it can also help makes, hopefully it makes our lives certainly easier. Data is used to monitor traffic patterns, right? That helps our commute patterns get easier. And there's a lot of things that it can hopefully make, make on a personal level, our world a, a better place in and around us. Yes. And so, um, going on that, uh, that how, um, data, like the different things like, um, um, you know, I think people, I was assuming like the history of data, I, I dropped into the nerve a little bit. I did history of data. And so data has been being collected way before, of course, that we had computers. Um, they've been collecting data since, um, I, I, it went way back to like, you know, we were looking at, um, it went out of America, it went out of America to, 
figure up to like the 16 and uh, 1700s, obviously people were not doing as complex things. They weren't looking at people um, uh, necessarily, uh, you know, down to the level that the granular level that we look today. Um, but they were collecting data, like, you know, where people live, um, you know, uh, the big thing was, you know, um, how many people you might have, like, uh, way back then, you know, dentured servants and, uh, you know, what they were um, working on. So data has, data collection has been around for a long time. It's only, you know, um, uh, we've gotten more and more um, different information from people because of the different types of um, industries that have uh, developed over over time. And so um, one of the things that I was finding in the research is that the different things, like a lot of times when I talk to just uh, people, they were like, oh, well, why did they need to know that, you know, I go to, um, you know, uh, uh, True Foods and, and, you know, I'm uh, a vegan and, you know, they didn't need to know that. But it, this kind of stuff does help when it comes to, um, you know, uh, understanding, uh, uh, you know, um, personal characteristics and um, all those different things to, to marketing. Um, and so I'm going to, uh, being that that's uh, where uh, Gravy Analytics uh, really uh, specializes it, I wanted to kind of understand a little bit um, how you guys are using those types of uh, uh, data to help these industries, because I know you touch so many different industries and you are able to get down to that granular level and kind of um, show, I guess, the, the capabilities and then explain how that um, that data is then utilized in um, great ways to then uh, serve uh, sometimes customers, um, decide, uh, you know, uh, maybe different ways to, uh, you know, change trajectories of companies. Um, I'll turn it over to you to kind of explain that a little. No, it's, it's, it's absolutely. And it's funny you talk about the, the beginning and origins of collecting data. I, my suspicion is th this goes back to the beginning of time, right? I, the first time that the cavemen tracked the, the migration patterns of woolly mammoths, right? I mean, they were using data, um, right? Um, they just didn't so call <laughs> Yeah, yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I had some I had some pictures of uh, cavemen. I, yeah, so I, I met. I started mapping them, and you know how they do. I'm a National Geographic uh, uh, lover, and so I started thinking of those cave paintings, and I was like, perhaps those were like, you know, they're like they were over here, guys. But absolutely, but fast, fast forward to today, it certainly um, it certainly is a lot different. I think. Um, and it really goes back, I believe, is that is it at least in our world as it relates to understanding consumers, understanding preferences, um, how to make experiences, engagement, personalization, relevance, convenience, all of these things better. Um, if if I as a brand, if I as a company can understand at an aggregate level, how my brand is being utilized, how my products are being engaged in the world and, and what's working and what doesn't work. And I should be able to influence all of my marketing and product roadmaps and, and merchandising and all the things that helps those experiences and engagements better. And, and I'll give you some specifics, but I think um, we just published, by the way, a, a really intense, long privacy study on consumer 
privacy and data. We have, we have it published on our, on our website, but there were some really um, interesting and relevant findings there in terms of that balance of trade of, because consumers, what we're willing to give to get, right? I, I love my free apps and I'm willing to share some things with those that it makes those services free uh, and hopes, hopefully um, improves my engagement and experience level. You know, I'm on Facebook. I'm going to be served ads anyways. At least the relevance of them helps make it less jarring and a little more uh, palatable. And who knows? I might discover something um, that I otherwise didn't because it, they were relevant and targeted to my interests. All of that is bound in the wrapper of aggregated, anonymized, privacy-friendly, and at its core, particularly in our world, consumer consent and control. 100% of the information that we and, and, and our industry touches in many ways is um, consumer consented on the front end. So it's not an opt-out, it's an opt in framework, that's one, and and understanding that there's transparency and control that the consumer always has the ability to understand what that data is, what its intended use is, and then control whether they choose to continue that relationship with that provider or cut it off. Yes, and you know it's a it's really important that you brought up that people have they do have control over their data because one of the things. Um, that I, I learned, um, and maybe I shouldn't have learned, but I guess I'm probably like just like everybody else. And you just, uh, you know, you jump onto these applications and all this stuff and because you need to utilize their, their service. Um, but in, uh, you know, different applications, like, uh, you know, when you do sign on to a Facebook, a Twitter and, and, um, you know, I don't know they have, uh, these different, um, uh, uh, community groups and there's a, there's so many different apps and things that you could uh, get to be part of, but a lot of people don't realize that in that that small writing <laughs> that you like never get to because you're like okay I just have to sign up and and um, you know or it's like uh, you know thirty pages and you're like I don't have you know thirty mm-hmm. uh, thirty thirty hours to go through this. Um, that a lot of times when you go in there, um, it goes into the detail of how your data is going to be utilized and shared and things like that. So people do have control um, if they take the time. And it's mm. just, you know, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, uh, that time <laughs> that we don't want to necessarily take. Um, <laughs> I learned that actually um, uh, recently when... Um, Actually, with uh, uh, Facebook, I, I went to, um, it was like a special like talk I was uh, part of, and uh, going through that you don't really realize sometimes what you are signing up when you are signing on these websites, that they're not doing stuff that is, you know, um, underhanded. It's just that you didn't take the time necessarily to, uh, you know, read read all the fine print. Um, yes. So I learned that actually. <laughs> Well, it's not um, just that. I mean, I bought a house not too long ago. I, there was like a thousand pages of documents. I mean, no one's right. I mean, it's almost <laughs> right, and that's where they yeah. You're like, oh, how many hours of life? <laughs> right. I uh, yeah. It, it is it is enormous. <laughs> um, and so you know, um, I guess after just talking to you, I was going to ask you the question, but you kind of answered it of like, should individuals uh, be gate gatekeepers for their data? And I, I guess I'm going to take a positive yes for you. 
Well, and I and I think well, it's it's ironic to say that. Then you you started off the conversation by saying fifty percent of the people don't care. Um, the, I, I would I would hope that that number goes down over time and not up. But um, and maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know. But you certainly should care. Um, but I, but it goes back to transparency, right? I mean, it's I didn't read all of those pages of my mortgage signing and disclosures and documents. It just was overwhelming. So at some level, I just I trusted the relationship that I had with the mortgage company and the finance company and the bank company and my real that that there was enough trust there for me to to only try to pay attention to what I thought was both relevant and and important. Um, I, I don't think the world is going to change anymore. I I just bought an iRobot vacuum cleaner thing. You know what those are? Those little robots. the 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 similar to that there's like a hundred pages of documentation and 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 it's an it's an app and it's got an iot and it's mapping my house and doing all these things and it's like whoa <laughs> it's a it's a little vacuum cleaner but again it's it's collecting and assimilating data about my home to make its job better and do i do i want that yeah sure map map my living room so you know where the dirt is um <laughs> that was a good balance of trade <laughs> Yes, and that brings me to the question: Like, should people? They're so you know, the world is, um, especially I'll say, um, becoming more and more automated, uh, especially after we have this um, pandemic because of uh, the fear of uh, contact and touch, mm. right? And so um, automation. Uh, I noticed that uh, grocery stores that used to not have um, self checkout. Um, uh, now have uh, self checkout, like for instance, um, okay, yes, I'm a Californian. I'm one of these organic um, folks, but not over the top. Like, yeah, I like trees, but I won't be knitting a sweater for them. Um, uh, so I do go to, uh, like different places, like, um, uh, uh, there's a grocery store called, uh, Sprouts and it used to be like, just is a small store and you just, uh, you know, they had a few cashiers. But they also went to like, you know, just do it yourself and check out and things like that. And a lot of different stores that you never thought were going to do that started doing um, things like that after the pandemic, just because, you know, um, we became uh, fearful of uh, passing germs and getting ill and all those um, uh, types of things. And so uh, it's kind of like we're being uh, pushed into this era of automation and uh, self-help and um, everything being online for our, uh, you know, safety of health. And then also we realized the other thing that we realized in the pandemic is all this stuff is convenient, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and we, and we love convenience. Um, and so do you think because now that we're seeing the, you know, uh, uh, the, the benefits and the perks of uh, having all this convenience and now we just like, okay, yeah, you know, do I, do I have to go in person? I don't, why would I, I'm just gonna, you know, I'll go online and I'll just press the button. Should we then start to be scared that we're just now maybe, um, you know, freely sharing our information and it's just become like a second nature to us because we're, we, we crave and love the convenience over even thinking about it anymore. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating in terms of societal evolution and, and macro um, trends. And I think COVID has been an accelerator to what would otherwise been a five to 10 year trajectory and made it into two to three. 
Um, and I'll never forget my grandfather being afraid to use a credit card because they thought that the bank could understand where he was spending his money. Um, but society over time has generally traded convenience, uh, for those kinds of, of trade-offs. So I think, I don't know, I have no crystal ball here, but I think, um, in the world where information can help bring convenience, accelerate decisioning, accelerate times, um, is, is not going to go backwards. And it, you know, somebody pointed it out to one, you know, one time to me, like you go to Google and, it, and you type in a search re, um, term and you get results. And on the bottom of the search bar, it says, you know, results, you know, rendered to you in like, I don't know, milliseconds, right? Whatever. Like that's a, like, that's a thing. Um, like, oh, I'm glad it didn't take, you know, 30 milliseconds it only took 20 because boy, my time is valuable. Those extra 20 milliseconds. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but it, it's become such a, an important thing. How fast can I get you the right information in front of you? And I will tell you, as a society, it seems like our, our patience is getting less and less for inconvenience um, and misappropriated content, merchandising results and other things. And, and data is a great leveler for that. You know, um, in Google, I have to actually have to input data to get better results, but what if it knew? Um, how much faster could it be? What if it knew more about me? What if it knew, you know, and it does now, it autofills your search terms. You, it's too long for you to actually type out the words. Let me suggest the word. I mean, so yeah, as a societal macro prediction, it seems like we are not slowing down the acceleration to convenience. Yes. And, you know, when you were saying like uh, one of the things that I'm sure you're already um, looking at this and, um, you know, and uh, deal with this every day because you were bringing up um, things of like AI. AI is now, you know, um, uh, taking this uh, data and, 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 you know, blending it um, to, uh, you know, essentially uh, serve up things faster and now maybe even um, uh, give us like suggestions. Because one of the things I think that people um, encounter is that there's so many choices. Yeah. <laughs> And so, um, you know, this mix of, uh, you know, data now coming in, in contact with AI, making it maybe easier um, to do those choices. I know uh, there's mixed feelings, and I'm sure you have feelings too, about the, um, you know, the uh, emergence of a uh, AI usage um, regularly. Um, but I, I know that's uh, gonna that's you know on a, a different uh, uh, topic. But um, just because you started uh, talking a little bit about how you know um, uh, giving people more information and like uh, you know um, giving them options and all those kind of things, and so that just made me start thinking about AI. I'm sure you're already looking at that. <laughs> oh, <it's great. laughs> yes. And by the way, it, we've actually done work in this area. Um, and AI means different things to different people. A lot of people confuse AI with just like machine learning and algorithms. But, you know, take take our world and some examples we've done. Like, and you've probably seen some of the case studies that we did with the University of Florida on um, uh, evacuation protocols and parameters and helping get people out of forest fire areas and other things. Well, the answers are in the data and how to understand this, but, but stop for a second to think about uh, what causes these kinds of natural disasters. And, and we see climate change occurring globally. You know, we're not, we can argue about why and, and how and fast or non-fast, 
But if we were able to take intelligence to what is global, massive amounts of environmental data, process it and synthesize it in a way that gives us true understandings of, of causality, we can make a difference in climate change, right? To understand what is core to the problem. And that's just using compute horsepower working against massive amounts of data to make the to understand you know what is truly going on and how to change it and then then we can make a difference um otherwise we're all shooting blind and, and interpreting data differently and acting you know undemocratizing what should be a global decisioning platform on how to make a difference that's all data and artificial intelligence will break through all of those things Yes, and actually that's where I was leading next because I know you have a whole, um, uh, one of the things um, about Gravy that I, I loved is that you have a whole segment about data for good and talking about, um, you know, at the different things that, uh, you know, data has helped provide. Um, you've looked at, uh, as you mentioned, at the University of Florida, um, you know, you've looked at uh, things, uh, obviously there's uh, climate change, you've looked at uh, things like uh, racism, um, and I'd love to hear, I guess, uh, one of the uh, stories that you like, uh, I guess, is your favorite or something that you felt that maybe you thought about different at the beginning. But once you got data involved, you were like, oh, huh. actually, it's, you know, a little bit different than we thought it was. Um, if you'd like to share. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I think um, it, it's something that we're very passionate about. Right. And it, on a personal level, I, I've always just been um, raised um, both from my spiritual beliefs and personally is that you always have to give back, right? Um, and we're very blessed. Um, I've been very blessed in my life. We're very blessed in this country, a lot of things. But um, with those blessings comes the, the responsibility to make sure that you give back and, and help those that um, aren't so blessed. Um, so that's part and parcel to, to, to me personally, but also in our company. And so we've been, we've been institutionalized that into this whole program called data for good. We work with academia, we donate a bunch of information, we help municipalities and, and, and in all ways is let's try to leave, um, a little better than we found it. Um, and, and so we, we do a lot of that work every day and, and, and it's, it's across a lot of vectors and, and most of those we try to, um, and, and they're always looking for new programs, new ways to engage. We learn, we make a difference, and and, and everybody is better off for it. Um, you, you know, and COVID has, has has really shined the light on a lot of things in this country um, where um, we are in need, right? There are children who go to bed hungry every night, um, and yet restaurants will throw away food at the end of the evening. Um, if we could understand where these things are occurring, if we can use data to remove what is a friction point to understanding and supply and demand, just on that micro of a thing, um, we can make a difference. And so we published a whole thing on our website. Now you can see it called like food deserts. Um, most people don't understand what that term is, but there is, there is a, an issue of hunger in, in, in this country. And we are one of the richest countries, if not the richest in the world. And yet we still have children who go to bed hungry every night. That's, that is a catastrophe. I mean, it just, it kills That's me. Sad. <laughs> Very yeah. sad. And, and, I, and I don't think it's because people aren't good. People aren't willing to help. It, we don't know how. And this is where the visibility and transparency and data can make a difference. So we published this whole study on food deserts in DC and, 
and just seeing where there's a dearth of support and infrastructure to make a difference here. And it all starts with data. Like you can't solve a problem if you don't know the problem and how it exists. And, and so that, yeah, that's very, very passionate to our hearts. Yes. And yeah, I was reading about the different things that you did and it was just, you know, um, you gave me a whole different perspective on um, data, but not only that, it's that um, it, it, and this is, um, I'm going to go to kind of uh, esoteric, but not so esoteric. If we, you know, we, we all live in this, um, I'll say, a modern technology age that, uh, you know, if we use the word uh, connected, right, um, when we, tech, we think of technology, obviously, we're thinking about, you know, our cell phones, our laptops, our tablets, and whatever not else you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in this connection, it's also now a, a deeper thing because this data um, that we are, um, you know, just thinking about necessarily our individual selves and how we are uh, traveling through, uh, you know, this virtual world called the internet and uh, and uh, utilizing the different things. But this data then, as it, as it compiles with companies like Gravy, um, it is then it's, you know, um, creating like, uh, uh, I guess you would say in a way silos of information, but then they are also connected to tell the story of how we as, and I'm using the word we collectively as, uh, humans are interacting, um, with, uh, you know, the things that we are creating our daily lives and with each other and within that connection, then. Uh, data then uh, shows us, as you're, you know, um, talking about the areas uh, that are are lacking these, you know, uh, food deserts, um, you know, these, uh, I don't know, there's so many climate crises. I think we just went through, as we see, like, you know, we just have this, uh, the Turkey and Syria earthquake and, um, and, you know, and I'm sure there's more to come. It seems that uh, every year since uh, 2020, we're like, you know, some some new uh, catastrophe un- unfolds, um, but with this connection, it's even deeper because um, it- it's telling that story, as you're saying, of how we fix it because we are essentially the people causing these issues, and then showing how we have caused it, and then also you can go back through the data and say, you know, how we could reverse it, and then it also goes to a different level of. You know, we are connected to each other to bring each other back together. And also, it's like a, a, a vicious cycle. The cause and the solution are all in one in this connection. Um, I know I just went off into a, a wild tangent, but if we really look at, you know, data is is our, our kind of uh, umbilical cords together of each other. <laughs> if we look at that <laughs> i know that was wild <laughs> no wild tangents are where great ideas go to evolve so it's fantastic you're right um in, in abstracting yourself from the from the tactical things that this conversation started with to the really intangible macro things are and, and tying those together are really important um and great exercises so i, I love it you're you're spot on yeah. And so, you know, um, so in, you know, you've just really opened my mind of how essentially that each individual without them doing too much, like, uh, you know, and, and too much, I mean, like they don't have to make much of an effort because 
uh, you know, on this planet, as they say, people may not have water, but they have cell phones. <laughs> it's actually a true statistic. <laughs> you may right. not have running water where you live, but you have a cell phone. <laughs> and and so in that, your data is, to, uh, you know, getting collected and also connected to others. And, and through that, you, you know, when we're looking at using data for good, you are putting on your own cape, essentially, your own super cape um, and utilizing this data because in uh, participating, I, I should, I guess I should say participating um, in sharing your data because then it can then uh, be turned into good to help a, a fellow man because, you know, you're not just operating isolated. Um, right. And, and, you know, uh, yeah, I, I just love like when uh, when you started talking, I started uh, you know I started getting these uh, images and pictures in my mind, and then you know that's the the biggest picture is that you know you don't have to you know go out there and you know great do it and you know feed the homeless or you know help uh, you know um, uh, children in danger or you know I don't know save the whales. You don't you know great if you can, but if you don't have the the ability to maybe go out and do that that um you know sharing your data and how you're living your life alone is helping to contribute to uh you know the betterment of uh the planet or other people no if i'm understanding if i'm understanding how you utilize data <laughs> oh yeah 100 percent. it's almost like a monet right it, it, each one is made up of a little dot but when you when you pull back it, it makes a, a an amazing picture right and it's and it's sort of like we as individuals and, and our contribution to those efforts um and we see this by the way every part of the world right now take what's in the news right now right the ukraine right okay. there is an enormous amount of humanitarian aid that is needed to support refugees um that are escaping a war zone so there is complexities of a war zone there is lack of understanding it's the fog of war um where are they going how long are they staying resources are very finite um people's attention people's dollars the material themselves um all of these things there's never enough so you have to make sure that what you do is got the biggest bang for your buck and the most efficient well data informs us all about those things right and if i am to your point people have phones and and not water um if i'm able to contribute and share some information about myself that informs refugee movement patterns and natural disasters and war zones and turkeys of the world that are dealing with um natural disasters then that alone helps first responders and aid organizations and and others who are trying to help get the right things to the right people and the right time that's all important work yes and so you know the the question that is uh you know that i think people are going to ask after this is that okay well yes you know i understand sharing my information can help my fellow man could you know help save the planet but there is the you know the dark side <laughs> they would say um so how do i protect myself from you know my data being utilized you know negatively against me but then you know be able to still you know push forward to be a you know a, a positive contributor to society 
Yeah. But I, I think, and again, I'll speak to the 50% who care. The other 50%, we got to talk. Um, but I, I think data hygiene is no different than hygiene, right? It's, it's a, it's, it's, you're never going to be able to a hundred percent wrap yourself in a bubble and, and make sure nothing gets out. Right. That just, that world doesn't exist, but the world does exist like all things, um, where you, you can consent, you can control, you can understand and, and you, you have that right. And the people that you engage with have that obligation and, and understanding that my coffee pot is going to speak to um, my phone to let me know when it's time to order new coffee or my refrigerator telling me when it's time to new egg. Though that engagement helps my life um, and I'm willing to share and control and consent, the ring doorbell. I mean, I, I just put a camera, the largest commercial company in the world, I just allowed to put a camera on my front door and monitor who comes in and out of my home. I mean, just think about that, right? Amazon owns Ring, right? And people do this because that they trust, they understand, and they're willing to make that trade-off to make their world safer and better and other things. So I think at the end of the day, um, there's no putting the toothpaste back in this tube. Um, data is not going away. Your data is not going to be, unless you're a tinfoil hat and live off the grid, um, <laughs> it's, it's around us all of the time, just consent, just control, increase transparency, and we just practice the best hygiene that we can. And that's, yeah, so I think, yeah, we're, we're definitely going into, even if people don't believe the world has changed, that's, that's been like my uh, tagline that I keep saying, even if people don't believe the world has changed uh, since 2020, it really has. Um, people don't aren't interacting or don't act <laughs> like there's a this a thing I've been reading like there's the human 2.0 um, and uh, you know people are not interacting and don't act as they used to um, but it's you know uh, as I say trauma uh, changes you um, and so you know we've never all experienced uh, a traumatic uh, event of that magnitude altogether and so um, you know, we're each obviously different individuals and react to things differently. And it has had an impact on, um, you know, each person and made them, uh, you know, different than they were uh, pre-pandemic. And so, you know, we're, we're dealing with a whole new set of, uh, you know, I would say uh, thought patterns and, um, and how we're going to proceed, but we're not going to be going uh, backwards. I believe in technology is only going to be um, uh, pushed forward, as we saw. You know the introduction of the the metaverse, and who mm -hmm. um, knows, uh, you know um, what's going to unfold for that. I have my my thoughts as I'm getting emails to you know buy my uh, virtual real estate. So I think we're going to be moving into these uh you know uh virtual marketplaces and uh we're all going to be kind of um uh i don't want to say player one but maybe <laughs> yes. sure. uh, yeah. i don't know if you ever saw that movie um but you know um but that's not to uh but you know and and i'm saying this not necessarily to scare people where you know, we're not we're not at the you know uh, we're not getting into this generation of, you know, um, and, uh, you know, totally like, um, 
all right, I'm, I'm a nerd, I'm going to just some fast uh, Star Wars, you know, but not over the top. <laughs> you know, it's not like we're heading to start a Star Wars uh, quite yet. Um, but we are definitely, um, you know, uh, going to be using technology as a everyday um, interaction, and there's going to be kind of no escape from that. So we might as well learn how to use that, utilize it properly. And so in that, what would you say? I know you don't have a crystal ball. But um, how, I guess, what should people, let's say, let's be positive and say, what should people look forward to, um, like, uh, the future of data? Like, what, what, what benefits um, should they look forward to that data can, uh, you know, make their lives even, um, you know, even better than they could have ever thought of in the future? Uh, I guess uh, be a futurist for a moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and in some sense, um, you know, one of my favorite expressions is never confuse a clear vision with a short distance. Um, yeah. So I, I think the clarity of vision, um, and you know, and and Star Trek and Star Wars, um, there are various distances to get to some of those things. But but one of the things I look no further than autonomous vehicles. And you can see it coming right away, right? Um, and it's not just the you know the cars, right? That's that's an easy one, but it's going to be public transportation of all types, um, delivery services, um, manufacture to points of consumption, um, autonomously shortening supply chains, and 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 all of those things. And you know, and I remember it used to believe people thought it was a miracle, and you could call Amazon and get something delivered the next day. Well, now you can do things like in an hour almost. Um, so all of those things are benefactories of, of data, beneficiaries of data and how it enables us to live in our world in a more convenient, more simplistic, more efficient way and, and hopefully more safer as a result. Um, and, and when we do those things, I think, um, if we do them both cautiously and judiciously, it will be the water that rises all boats. Because if I can take points of, of manufacture and origin and get it to consumers faster, yeah, it's one thing if you want to get that new Apple Watch and, and get it. But it also relates to food, right? It relates to perishable commodities. It relates to goods and services. And if I can understand engagement in a city level with data, I can, I can make a difference to the homeless populations. I can get food to the shelters. I can understand the points of need better. Um, all of those things are going to be the beneficiaries of what is going to be more data and more technology working against that data to make, um, not only consumers lives better, but their entirety of the, of the nation better. Yeah, no. And, and I think, uh, the, the whole world better, um, you know, because, uh, one of the things that you did mention was, uh, you know, uh, being able to make the, uh, you know, um, uh, the data is for everyone. Um, and uh, I think you, uh, you know, um, as they call it, uh, making it a democratic, a democracy of uh, data or democratic. I can't say the word right now, <laughs> but uh, yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, being able to um, share data with uh, everyone. I think it will uh, change the world. And I think we are in uh, definitely if everybody just, uh, you know, watches the news and it's, uh, and the things that are going on in life, um, it's we're in the time that we need to share information in order to 
uh, you know, be better uh, people and also to uh, perhaps survive uh, whatever's coming next. Yeah. Um, uh, th thank you uh, so much for um, sharing uh, this insight with us about um, data. It really did um, open my eyes and hopefully it opened everyone else's eyes to see that um, you can actually be uh, just a hero in yourself by sharing um, your information and you know, um, just like everything, there there's also you know good and bad sides. But over, if we looked at the overarching benefit, um, and we look outside of ourselves, uh, sharing this information um, in the long run is going to uh, benefit all of us. And so, uh, you know, uh, don't uh, fear. Um, just uh, you know, use caution, just like uh, everything else you would use uh, be doing in life. Um, so. Uh, uh, thank you, Jeff, um, for your time and insight. If you'd like to know more about Jeff, you can go to gravyanalytics.com. If you have a passion for an unserved community, a social justice problem, or simply want to change minds, contact Project Good Work at projectgood.work to start your project of change today. We'd like to send our deepest gratitude to our ongoing show supporter, Blair Chapman. Subscribe at our mailing list at projectgood.work slash subscribe to get our episodes and blog articles sent to you each month. Plus, get a 10% discount on any project you start on projectgood.work. It's conference time, and we are hosting our first annual Changemaker Conference virtually on May 25th. Registration is now open. And each conference full ticket comes with a lifetime membership to the Project Good Work Changemaker community. Go to www.changemakerconference.com to purchase your ticket now. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in to Project Good, where we're focused on what matters. 